The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. If you brought a Bible, I'd invite you to turn with me to the fourth chapter of Galatians. Uh, if you did not and you'd like to follow along, there's a Bible underneath a chair close by to you. Uh, Galatians is in the New Testament. If you look at my Bible, it's about that far from the end. Galatians chapter four, and you may be saying in your mind, well, that's an unusual place to turn in the Bible for Christmas. Aren't you going to go to Matthew or Luke? Well, I'm preaching through Galatians, and this verse is coming up here in a, in a few weeks, in which we'll be looking at. But this verse speaks to how we make sense of the story. So is Christmas just about the nativity? Is it just about the incredible events surrounding that birth of Christ? What's really going on here? What? Why is this happening? What what is the result? So really, I'm I'm asking this question. Let's just be honest in the modern world. Is this a fairy tale? Is that all this is? Are we just a bunch of delusional people who've gotten together when we ought to be just celebrating the happy holidays? Or is there something distinct happening? Is there something that that we ought to to pause and to think about and to look at and to reflect on? Well, Galatians 4 answers that question. So I'd invite you to stand as we honor the word of God. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Let's pray. Father, we ask now that you would give us sense of your word and that you would speak to every heart in this room. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to build a sentence together. Let's start right here. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, Jesus Christ. In the fullness of time. So it means that that time had reached its capacity. It had, it had come to the appointed moment. So one of our pastors, Pastor Ben Francis, his wife Tara, today is the fullness of time. Today is the due date that they are supposed to have a little girl. And if she doesn't come today or tomorrow, they're gonna schedule it on Wednesday and I'm sure the doctors are hoping for that so they can get to through Christmas day without having to deliver a baby. But the fullness of time, in your, in your mind, you could think in the fullness of the pregnancy. Now, isn't it interesting that this all centers around the birth of a baby, that God's talking about a moment when, when time is coming together. Ephesians 1.10 describes it this way. You don't need to turn there. It just says, a plan for the fullness of time. See, God had a plan that is revealed in Ephesians to be before the foundation of the world that is to culminate in the birth of Christ and the coming of Jesus. So here's what the Bible's teaching. All of history was building to this moment. 
So that's why it says in the fullness of time or a plan for the fullness of time. Everything was coming to this moment. God had been revealing. He had been opening up his plan and now it comes in full openness. He promised this through Isaiah that a behold, a virgin would bear a son, a child. He said in the, in the prophecy of Micah that a ruler and a shepherd for the people of Israel would come from Bethlehem. So in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, Jesus Christ. When, when God revealed to Joseph that Mary was to have a baby supernaturally, he told Joseph to name him. You remember this? What was his name supposed to be? That's it. Question, why? The name has meaning. Because he will save his people from their sins. So his given name, Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ, is not his last name. Christ means Messiah. He is the one that was promised. So in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man. It says in Galatians, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. God sent forth his son, born of a woman. This is the unique son of God. He is unlike any other human being ever to be born on the face of the earth. I invite you to turn to John chapter one with me. In John chapter one, beginning with verse one, there's a description here. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now that's heavy, that means this. Jesus Christ is eternal. He's fully God. Verse three, all things were made through him, that is Jesus Christ. All things were made through him and without him, not anything was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So a little bit later in the service, we'll darken this room and we'll light candles. We'll do that to remind us that the light has come and darkness has not overcome it and it never will. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of his only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Brothers and sisters, here's what this means. <clears throat> we can get sentimental thinking about the manger. We've all who have ever been around the birth of a child or a small baby have been moved emotionally at what we have witnessed, the miracle of birth. But, but we're not just celebrating tonight the miracle of birth. We're celebrating the miracle that God became flesh. In Colossians chapter two, verse nine, it says, for in him, that is Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Now that is a heavy sentence. That in that baby, don't miss this, he didn't grow up and become fully God. 
In that frail baby, the full deity of God dwelt. That's stunning. Now, here's the question then I have. This is the way my brain works. Some of you like me. Why? Why would this be? Why would God become flesh? Let's continue. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, to fully accomplish the work of redemption. Now, I'm just going to quote back from Galatians. I'm going to stay in John 1, though. Born under the law to redeem those under the law. The law of God, let's refer to it simply as the Ten Commandments. It's wider than that, but we'll just think about the Ten Commandments. Here's why God sent the law. God did not send the law. Let me start by why not. He did not send the law so that you would keep it perfectly. And if you kept it perfectly, then you get in heaven. Here's why God sent the law. God sent the law to humanity to condemn us. You say, well, that's horrible. God sent the law to prove to you and to me that I am not and you are not. Would you like to fill in the blank? I'll go, let's go further than that. That I'm not God. It's not just that I'm not perfect. I'm not God. But God sent his son, now watch this, born under the law, not above the law. Y'all don't know anybody that lives above the law, do you? Some of you got some of those kids living in your house, right? <laughs> he wasn't born above the law. He was born under the law. Why? To redeem those under the law. Because here's what the law is saying to me and you. Guilty. Folks, here's, here's why. I don't have time to fully explain this. I just, I just want this to sit on you. And some of you are going, well, I didn't come for heavy. Listen, you either came for Christmas or not. All right? So we're a group of Christians who got together to celebrate Christmas. And here's what we're celebrating. That God became flesh. Now here's why he had to be fully God and fully man. So that he could fully keep the law. The law has been kept. Jesus Christ kept it perfectly. He is our sinless savior who died in our place. Now John describes this in verses 16 and 17 of chapter one. Now notice this word keeps showing up. And from his fullness, it means he fully kept the law, fully obedient to God, fully, completely perfect. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. Truth about us. So when we look to Christ, we see that we're not Christ. It reveals just further who we are. But, but the truth also reveals who Christ is and why Christ came and what he accomplished. And grace says to each of us that God has given us what we did not earn and what we do not deserve. And it's not just grace. Notice the way the words pile up in this verse. It is grace upon grace. You see, what we receive is the fully accomplished work of redemption from Jesus Christ. Now, I'm still thinking about this word fullness. This is how this sermon came to be. I just started studying the word fullness in the New Testament. And it's everywhere. 
Now here's the powerful place it's at. Jesus Christ is hanging on the cross and he utters this Greek word, tetelestai. We translate it most of the time. It is, would you like to guess what it actually means and translates? Fully accomplished. Fully accomplished. So Christ, the fullness of deity, fully man, fully God, came, fully lived the law, and on the cross, in your place and in my place, he fully accomplished the work of redemption. So let's be clear, he doesn't need your help. He does not need your help at all. Now, many from our church are reading a little devotional by Paul Tripp. This, sen this sentence came this week. I don't remember which day of the week it was this week. This sentence knocked me out of my chair because this is true. He said, and I quote, it is possible to live in a state of Advent schizophrenia. Advent is the season of celebrating Christmas. It is possible to live in a state of Advent schizophrenia where you celebrate the birth of the Messiah while denying the reason for his birth. I wonder how many of us are doing that today. We get all fluffy inside about the baby and the nativity and, and we ignore the fact of why. Why was all of this necessary? Why, why did Christ come? So I'm still asking the question. Why do you have to be fully God and fully man so that he could fully accomplish the work of redemption? Why did he do that? Why? Here's the answer. So that we might fully become the children of God. He says in Galatians, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. John 1.12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name and gave the right, he gave the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now let me take verse 13 and help you out here. I'm not being hateful here. I, I'm, I'm just trying to speak clearly the truth. There's some of you who came home and let's just be honest, you don't wanna be here right now and, and I probably am bothering you and how I'm preaching. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just trying to be truthful. I, I, wish, I wish more churches and preachers would just tell people the truth. But, but if... If you're one of those people that have basically abandoned your faith, you do this once a year and you come together with your family. Um, I could understand why this bugs you. Um, and that, that you may say, well, not really interested in this. Here's the problem, so let me press in on you for a second. It'll matter when you come to die. when faith starts mattering to people. And then people start wanting to claim they're Christians. So let me just define how you become one here because John does this. He first says how you don't become one. It's not of blood. That means it's not in your DNA. You didn't become a Christian because your mom and daddy were Christians. 
It was not the will of the flesh. You didn't become a Christian because you kept the law, the work of the flesh, something that you did, that you accomplished, nor of the will of man. You're not a Christian because you decided to become one. Here's why you're a Christian, but of God. Now let's go back and read this thing. Watch what happens here. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were, what's the next word? What? Born. Who were born. Not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now you gotta go all the way over to John chapter three, and it says, must be, you must be born what? Again, where does this come from? It is from God. And when you are born again, when you trust in Christ alone and you look to why Christ came and what Christ accomplished on your behalf, when you trust in Christ alone, you become a child of God. Now here's the deal. That means, that means not that you get invited over once a year. You see, there's some of you like that. You're here because this is the one time a year the family invites you over. We're glad you're here. We are. We're glad you're here. But this is not a once a year invitation that you might be adopted as sons. Now, unless you've ever been adopted, that doesn't mean a lot to you. That means you get the full and complete rights of that family. That means that you're fully and completely brought into that family, that you now are a part of that family. And here's what God is saying, that when we trust in Christ alone, when we are born again, when we come to believe in Christ, we are brought into the family of God, not partially. Let's press our word all the way into this. We fully become children of God. Now, here's my fear with some of you. This is the kind of Christian you are. Because here's what you're doing. You're partly trusting in yourself. You feel tremendous amounts of guilt over what you do on a day-to-day basis. And you think this, how could God love me? You hear me, that's not the way God treats his children. Here's how God treats his children. See, some of us were raised, not saying I was, I'm just saying some of us in this room were raised to perform. As long as we performed good enough, our parents loved us. When we performed badly, our parents pushed us away. Here's what God the Father says, you'll never perform good enough for me, ever. And because I know that, I sent my son so that you might receive adoption, that you might be brought into the family of God. You ever get a useless gift for Christmas? (laughs) Bless God, just don't buy me one, okay? (laughs) I'd rather you just hug my neck, all right? I don't want a useless gift. I'm just going to tell you my fear. As a preacher standing up here before an audience, full room, that some of you think Jesus is a useless gift. 
He is the greatest gift ever given. And I'm not trying to be funny here, but there's a funny line in a movie that's been stolen. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year long. Folks, Jesus Christ never stops giving to you. And get this, it's grace upon grace upon grace. It never becomes something you deserve, ever. So in a minute, we're gonna light a candle. And this is my prayer for you, that you're gonna take the light symbolically, listen, of the reality that's true in your heart. That the light of Christ has come to you. Now I'm not telling you to receive, refuse the candle if it's not, but if you can't confidently say the light of Christ has come to you, that's what that response card is for and that's why I'll be out in the lobby and would love to follow up in a conversation with you. I pray joy will fill this room. The light has come, friends. And the light has spread to this place. Praise God that we are the children of God. Let's pray. Father, we pray now that as we sing and worship, that you would be honored and glorified, that you, oh God, would receive what you deserve, our glory and our praise. For you alone are God and you alone save. And I pray that men and women and young people would now look to Christ and believe. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.